Well, this morning we are going to continue our study in the Gospel of John. So if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn to uh, John chapter 3, and we are going to look at verses 1 through 8. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture as we work through the Gospel of John together as a church. And this is actually uh, a two-part sermon. This morning we're going to look at verses... 1 through 8, that will be part 1. And then in the next sermon, we'll look at verses 9 through 15, that will be part 2. And I've entitled both sermons, Questions from Nicodemus. That's what both sections of Scripture are about, questions from Nicodemus. So this morning, let me read for you from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and verses 1 through 8. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, our first point this morning is a man named Nicodemus. Last week, at the end of John chapter 2, we learned that Jesus knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. That's John chapter 2 and verses 24 and 25. Jesus knows all people and needs no one to bear witness about man because he knows what is in a man. It's very important to what we're going to study this morning. Last week we saw that Jesus is omniscient. He is God. Therefore, he knows everything about everything. But more specifically, Jesus knows everything about every one of us. And as I mentioned, that is significant to this passage today and actually throughout the rest of the Gospel of John. The end of John chapter 2 sets us up for what we are going to study in the rest of the Gospel of John. In chapter 3... We're going to see a man named Nicodemus. In chapter 4, we're going to see the woman at the well, and we're going to see that Jesus knows everything about them before he even meets them. And so it goes on in the Gospel of John. So this is what I really want you to hold on to this morning. Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus is a specific example of his complete omniscience. I want to say that again. Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus is a specific example 
of his complete omniscience. Well, let's look at this man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was well-educated and well-respected ruler of the Jews. He was a well-educated and a well-respected ruler of the Jewish people. In verse 1, we read this. It says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. In verse 1, we learn two very important things about Nicodemus. First of all, he was a Pharisee. That means that he belonged to one of the ruling parties among the Jewish people called the Pharisees. The Pharisees adhered very strictly to the law of Moses and to the traditions they developed from the law of Moses. What is most important for us this morning is the Pharisees held to a self-salvation. They believed that to be right with God, they believed in order to have salvation, you must strictly keep the law of Moses and all the traditions that come from it that they had developed. And that's why Jesus came into conflict with the Pharisees so many times during his three-year earthly ministry. Because Jesus came teaching the grace of God. Jesus came teaching that salvation is a free gift of God. In Jesus came teaching that salvation is an act of God and not an act of man. It's not something we do to earn something. It's not something we do. It is something that has been done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only does it tell us that he is a Pharisee, but it tells us that he is a ruler of the Jews. This means that Nicodemus was part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of the elite group of men who led the rulers of the Jews. One writer said it would be like being a United States senator in the U.S. They were a very elite group of men in their case, people um, who led them. And it would also mean that Nicodemus was a scribe, that he was an expert authority on the interpretation of the law and its tradition. Now in verse 2 it says, This man, this Pharisee, this ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It says, This man came to Jesus by night. Now I've heard a lot of sermons in the past on this passage of scripture, as probably you have too. And maybe not always, but most of the time, it is assumed that Jesus came by night because he wanted to meet secretly with Jesus, that he was fearful of what the other Pharisees and what the other rulers of the Jews might think of him. So he kind of came under the cloak of darkness in order to meet with Jesus. Now that is a possibility. But I want to share with you this morning that we don't know that that's why he came at night. A number of writers have said, we need to remember that chronologically, this is very early in Jesus' three-year ministry. 
he had not yet had all of these heated confrontations with the Pharisees. So we don't know for sure that Nicodemus came at night because he wanted to meet secretly with Jesus. It could be that Nicodemus came at night because he was a busy man and Jesus was a busy man and that was the best time to meet. Or it could be that they just happened to meet at night for no particular reason. Like if I were to tell you that I met last night with, with Pastor Mike, that we had a meeting last night. There was no particular reason why we met then. We just happened to meet last night. So we're not sure. We're not sure why Nicodemus came at night. But he says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus was very respectful. He calls Jesus rabbi. He calls him teacher. He was acknowledging that even early in his ministry here, Jesus has established himself as a credible teacher among the Jews who now has disciples. He now has followers. And he acknowledges that Jesus is doing signs. He's doing miracles. I shared this with you last week. Jesus didn't just turn water into wine or cleanse the temple. He was doing all kinds of miracles, it appears, at this time. And so Nicodemus says, we know that no one can do these signs unless God is with him. We know that somehow God is with you. Now, Nicodemus is not acknowledging that Jesus is the Messiah here, but nonetheless, he is very respectful as he comes to Jesus. And I personally believe very sincere. But what happens, guard? We expect that Jesus might say, you know, thank you, Nicodemus, for your kind words. I've heard a lot of good things about you too. But that's not what he says. In verse 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Wow. Says Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nicodemus, I can see that you are trusting in yourself for salvation. I can see that you are trusting in the law and the traditions of men and you need to be born of God. Now please stay with me here. This is where the omniscience of Jesus comes through. Jesus cuts right to the core of Nicodemus' need because he knew everything about him. Let me say that again. Jesus cuts right to the core of Nicodemus' spiritual need because he knew everything about him. And so he says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, it means get ready. I'm about to tell you something very important. When you see that little phrase, truly, truly, I say to you, you pay extra attention as you're reading through the New Testament. When Jesus says that, in the uh, New International Version, the 1984 edition, it translates that little phrase, I tell you the truth. In the King James Version, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you. In the New King James Version, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you. And it means what I'm about to say is critically Important. I'm about to give you the unvarnished truth. Many years ago, the late Christian philosopher and theologian Francis Schaeffer coined the term true truth. 
He said, sometimes we debate over what truth is or my truth is not your truth or vice versa. But he said, there are some things in the universe that are true truth. They are absolute. They are not debatable. They are unchangeable. It is truth itself. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, listen very, very carefully to me. Unless a man or unless one is born again, born again literally means born from above, born of God. Unless a person is born of God, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God here. And we have to be careful with that term kingdom of God. I've shared that with you before. You need to know the context in which it used because it can take on slightly different meanings in different contexts. But in this particular passage, kingdom of God is the same as saying eternal life or everlasting life. It's not just the general rule of God over all things. It is the specific rule of God, the rule and reign of God in the human heart, in a particular human heart heart within conservative biblical christianity we often use the word saved it means that someone who has salvation someone who has trusted christ as savior and that word saved fits very well here and so what jesus is saying unless one is born from above unless someone is born of god he cannot be saved. He cannot go to heaven. That's what he is saying here. And Nicodemus is confused. He doesn't know what to think of this. In verse 4 we read, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Notice he asked two questions to try to clarify what Jesus is saying. How can someone who's lived for years be born? Can someone actually enter into their mother's womb and be born a second time? In essence, Nicodemus is saying, Jesus, what do you mean? Born again. And that's our second point. Born again. Very important portion of scripture. Jesus in a very important passage of scripture, explains that a person must experience supernatural rebirth in order to enter the kingdom of God. A person must be supernaturally born of the Holy Spirit before they are saved, before they can, excuse me, enter the kingdom of God. So in verse 5, Jesus responds to Nicodemus two questions in this way. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, there's that phrase again, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, pay very close attention here, Nicodemus, unless you are reborn as a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit. 
unless a person has repented of their sin, surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, and trusted only in Jesus' death and resurrection for their salvation, unless the Holy Spirit has recreated them, forgiven them, made them a new man or woman in Christ, unless that happens, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, verse 5, beautiful verse. But it's also a verse that has some controversy attached to it. And if you have ever studied, if you have ever taught through the Gospel of John, or if you've ever even taught this passage of Scripture, you know what I'm talking about. And it's the word water. Why does Jesus use the word water? It would have been so much easier if Jesus had just said, unless one is born of the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God, but he doesn't. He said, unless one is born of water and the spirit. There are numerous different thoughts on how that word water should be interpreted. I loved it. I was reading through R.C. Sproul's commentary on the gospel of John. and He said, you know, I have spent the last 40 years studying John chapter 3 verse 5 and I still don't know for sure what the word water means and I thought praise God I'm so glad to hear that because I don't know exactly what it means either now one of the views of what water means is that it's somehow a reference to baptism that you have to be born of the spirit and you have to be baptized And unfortunately, those who hold to what is known as baptismal regeneration, in other words, that you both have to receive Christ as Savior and be baptized in order to go to heaven, you have to do both. Those who teach that use John 3, 5 as their proof text or an important proof text. Now, we as a church reject that point of view. But in this passage... More importantly, water baptism as a means of salvation would have made absolutely no sense to Nicodemus. It doesn't fit the context of the passage. And it would have not, or it wouldn't have helped Nicodemus to understand what Jesus was saying at all. So it's clearly not water baptism, I think, that he's referring to. I'm going to share with you what I think is the most reasonable understanding of the word water in verse 5. Again, as R.C. Sproul said, we must never be dogmatic on this. But I'm going to give you what I think makes the most sense here. And I'm grateful to R.C. Sproul for what he wrote on this. And I'm especially grateful to... John Piper, who has done some extensive work on this word water. I think the best understanding of the word water here is that it is an Old Testament term. That in the Old Testament, God would sometimes say that he was sprinkling water or cleansing Israel with water to cleanse them of their uncleanness, of their unrighteousness, to cleanse them of their idol worship. It didn't mean God was actually cleansing them with water. It just meant symbolically that God 
like water was going to cleanse them of their sins. So I believe that the word water and the word spirit are in essence saying the same thing. Unless you are born of the Holy Spirit and cleansed supernaturally by the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let me give you one Old Testament passage just to help with this. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 26. God says to Israel, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Now watch this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Notice that. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. Now he's not saying I'm going to literally sprinkle water on each and every Israelite. He's simply saying like the water of cleansing. I'm going to cleanse you from your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And notice, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Now think with me this morning. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jews. He would have been steeped in the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament very well. It was his scripture at that time. He would have understood this perfectly. This would have made all kinds of sense to him. And so Jesus goes on to say in verse 6, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, don't you see? The flesh only produces fleshly things. Fleshly works just produces flesh. It can't produce anything spiritual. It can't do anything to save your soul. Don't you see that? And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Every word in this text is so important. Notice, and that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is spirit. That which is born of the Holy Spirit is spiritual. It regenerates the soul. It saves the soul. It saves the spirit of a man. And so in verse 7, Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, oh dear Nicodemus, Pharisee and ruler of the Jews, you should know this. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Well, that brings us to verse 8. In verse 8, Jesus gives us an amazing look into the beautiful and mysterious work of the Holy Spirit in the salvation of a soul. Verse 8 is a remarkable verse. And as I was studying this week, I saw that there are entire sermons, and I read one of them, entire sermons written on verse 8. I'm not going to go that long into it because I want to see it as part of this bigger passage, but there is so much here. Verse 8, Jesus says, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. 
Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes. Jesus is comparing the work of the Holy Spirit with the wind. Now, some of you know this, but some of you may not, so I want to explain it. The word spirit that we use for Holy Spirit comes from a famous Greek term, a famous Greek word, pneuma. Also, in the English language, we get our word wind also from the word pneuma. In fact, in Christian theology, the study of the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is comparing the work of the Holy Spirit with the work of the wind. One writer said this, Jesus is comparing the pneuma with the pneuma. And so he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes, you know that. We never know when the wind is going to come up. We don't. And you hear its sound. Have you ever been in bed at night and you just hear the sound of the wind? The wind is blowing strongly and you hear the sound of the wind. And we can see the effects of the wind and we can hear the wind, but we can't actually see the wind. And he says... And you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. You never know. You never know when the wind is just going to suddenly stop. You never know when the wind is going to change direction. You don't. What is Jesus saying? He is saying this, you never know. You never know where the Holy Spirit is at work. Notice that last sentence of this passage. Jesus says, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just like the working of the wind, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You never know where the Holy Spirit is going to be doing His convicting work, drawing someone to salvation in Himself. You just never know. And that reminds us of a couple of truths. There could be many more. Let me just give you a couple of truths that we can draw from this. It's one, the first one is one I've shared with you a number of times. Never think that anyone is beyond salvation. You never know where the Holy Spirit is at work. Let's take this example. Let's suppose that we have a man here, a businessman, not a Christian. He is unsaved, but he is a businessman, clean-cut, well-dressed, has a nice wife, well-behaved children, lives in a nice home. Right next to him, we have another man. He is a drug addict. He has lived a very self-destructive life. He uses every filthy word in the book, and he boldly and foolishly tells everyone he doesn't even believe there is a God. So we've got these two men. Now, if I were to ask you, which one of these two men is most likely to get saved. Which one of these two men is most likely to be born again? Your answer should be, you don't know. It could be both of them. It could be one or the other because you never know where the Holy Spirit is at work. That well-dressed man, that businessman may totally reject the gospel. That drug addict may be deeply convicted of his sin. 
and gloriously and miraculously trust Christ as his Savior and have a changed life. Or it could be both of them get saved. You never know. You never know where the Holy Spirit is at work. And that brings us to the second truth I want to share with you that flows from verse 8. And that is, faithfully sow the seed of the gospel because you never know where the seed may land. I am so thankful to Greg Kokel, who is the founder and president of Stand to Reason because he has had a number of articles on this over the years. He said, just go out and sow the seed of the gospel because you never know where that seed is going to land. It could land on a hardened heart. It could land on an indifferent heart or it could land where the wind is blowing. It could land where the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work and that man or that woman is going to be born again and God is going to use your presentation of the gospel to bring them to salvation. But let's not just focus on the businessman or the drug addict. What about me? What about you? You can't read this passage, teach on this passage, or preach on this passage without asking the question, have I been born again? Have I been born again? Has there ever been a time in my life where where I've repented of my sin invited Jesus to come into my life, trusting in his death and resurrection alone for my salvation? Is there a time in my life where I know that the Holy Spirit came to live within me and changed me forever? Has there been a time where you knew that the Spirit was so at work in your life If you're not sure, if you're not sure, God wants you to make sure. Maybe you've gone to church all your life. Maybe you've never gone to church at all and you're just watching us by means of video and you've never even thought of this before. Oh, God wants you to be born again. We're here as a church to help you. Please feel free to contact us. We would love to do anything and everything we can to help you understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But let all of us, let all of us forever remember these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for This great encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus, it has taught the church for 2,000 years about the true meaning of salvation. My prayer this morning, Lord, is for each and every one of us to make sure, to make sure that we are born again. Oh, Lord, help us to search our souls to make sure that we have been reborn of the Holy Spirit For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.